Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hi guys, and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to welcome you back to our podcast. We have some exciting news from the Learn to Love team. Uh, We have a website now. So if you want to see all of our articles, and what we're doing is we're releasing articles first. You can see them at learnlove.ca. That's L-E-A-R-N-L-O-V-E dot C-A. Really exciting is now you can also email us. We have a professional email at contact at learnlove.ca, contact at learnlove.ca. So I want to tell you a little bit more about the series, what we've been up to, what we're going to do, and talk a little bit about why you should care about it. Why is it important to become better at love? So What's, what's our story? Let's start with that. So the reason that we started the show and who it is right now, we're mostly young adults, but it's a team of young people who were really interested in psychology. And we read a whole bunch of books, like collectively, maybe 40 books on relationship psychology. And also we finished our undergrads and some, we're doing master's degrees right now. So we're, we're pretty familiar with the whole research process how to do research, how to review articles. Um, we also, some of us also review for, for journals, um, like, uh, like research journals. And what we did, what we came about through our reading and discovery is that there's so much that you can do to strengthen your relationship. And, you know, initially this is kind of like common sense. It's like, yeah, of course you can strengthen your relationship. I mean, everyone knows that there are things you can do that make relationships easier and better. And that's true. But we started to recognize trends in what we were reading to show that there are things that really do help. Things that, you know, the kind of thing that you read and then you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I read this before. Like this could have totally changed my relationship, even my life had I just known this. It's the kind of things that are, you think they're common sense, but they're like not really until you learn about them. And we started talking to our peers about this kind of stuff that we were reading and our parents. And uh, the, the answer we kind of got at the beginning was, no, there's nothing you can do. You know, love is just natural. You can, you should just go with all your heart and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then our answer to that is, well, look at all the divorce. I mean, if love is so easy, then why are so many people getting it wrong? I'm not, I'm not saying that divorce is necessarily your fault. It, that's not what we're trying to say here, but we're, we're trying to say there, there are things that couples who don't get divorced do that help them stay together. And what we want to do is we want to take 
all this that we're learning and make it really easily accessible. So the first thing that we did is we started writing articles originally for Medium. So if you search Learn to Love on, on Medium, which is like a blog posting platform, you'll see our first our first post. And then we started thinking, well, why don't we just create our own website? Because then it's way easier. So we spent the past little bit um, working on our site. We're, we're so excited that we launched it. So you can see there. We're posting articles. Now, our average article length is about 10 minutes. We're, it's kind of like an editorial piece, so they're much more in-depth. Um, currently, we have articles, How to Protect Your Heart the Smart Way. Um, we have our article from the last episode, which has five tips to use coronavirus to actually strengthen your relationship if you can't see your partner, how to leverage it, to use it as a tool. Um, that's available wherever you stream your podcasts. And we have another article just released on move from the cycle of shame to the cycle of growth. We're going to talk about these extensively in future episodes. So in this episode, I want to talk to you a little bit more about who we are, how we started, what are some of the first things that we researched in our first oh my gosh moment while researching for this show. And at the time, this is a podcast exclusive. You won't find this on our blog at the time of right at the time of recording. And that is, feelings don't have IQ. What are feelings? When should we act on them? And how can we know what they're trying to tell us in, in the best way? How can we learn from them in the best way? I hope you enjoy. So why, why are we doing this? Well, a lot of young people are people who help make the show possible included are children of parents who are divorced and not just divorced but like divorced fighting court like lots of lots of harmful events and you know like families have issues and you know it's just like like things that are difficult we're not we're not saying you know like a, a lot of people experience this but it's just Things that you you think like, okay, no one planned for this. No one wanted this to happen. Now we don't want this to happen to our kids either. So you start thinking like, okay, wait a second. I don't want this to happen to my kids. So what do I do about it? And we started reading. So like, okay, um, what are we going <laughs> to, what, what's the first thing to do? Well, well I don't know, at least what, what do I do when I don't know something? I start reading. Um, so we picked up a book, 10 Stupid Things Couples Do to Mess Up Their Relationships by Laura Schlesinger. Now, Laura Schlesinger used to run a radio show um, for a long time, and she spoke with thousands of couples and heard their stories. And she kind of wrote this book based on what she learned in her radio show on like what couples are doing that's really bad. And, and some of it was like super interesting. Like you read this book and you're just like, oh my gosh blew my mind. So one of the big things that she talked about in this book is that love is commitment in spite of feelings glitching sometimes. So let's repeat that. Love is commitment in spite of feelings glitching sometimes. And the other thing she says is feelings don't have IQ. So what is she going at here? Well, she says that Sometimes you feel like something is the right thing to do, but your feelings often glitch because 
maybe they're basing their idea on the wrong thing. Now, there are times when it's super important to listen to your feelings and to acknowledge them, and you should always acknowledge your feelings. But before you do something that's really going to change the status of your relationship or where you're going, you know, something major, you should just wait. You have to ask yourself, is it the relationship that's causing you the problem? Or are you just hungry? Or are you just tired? Or did you see something on social media that's bothering you? And you, you're, you're kind of projecting that, you're taking that out on your partner. Now, this was really interesting to me because I didn't realize it, but I was thinking and yeah, it's actually true. Like a lot of the times if I'm, you know, we even have a term for it, like cranky, like if you're, t- if you're really tired, um, you don't sleep enough, you kind of snap at your partner and you snap at your friends. People don't want to be around you when you're tired or when, when you're hungry. And, um, and I was like, okay, okay. But we live in a culture now where everyone's like, we should do whatever our feelings say. But, I mean, yeah, but only when our feelings are telling us something that we know is right. So who does whatever their feelings do? Children. So young toddlers, you take like a two-year-old, for example. If they want something, they're going to tell you that they want it. They're going to scream. They're going to cry. You know, whatever they feel is what they show you. Now, when you get to adulthood, something really interesting happens, which is you can learn to show differently than maybe what you feel inside. Like, and also you can do things despite how you feel. So for example, like you really don't want to work on an assignment, but do you know that working on it is going to help you do really well in, in, your, in your school, in your work career or something? I mean, you really don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. You move beyond your feelings. Feelings really power so much of what we do in our life. Like if you ask yourself, why didn't I do something? Well, I mean, what do you, what's, what's the answer? You say, well, I didn't feel like it. Okay, so the feelings are so important, but often they glitch. Often they glitch. So even, for example, when we look at something like depression, so how do people diagnose depression? I mean, there's a number of ways, but a big thing is you have to have consistent feelings that meet the criteria of depression over two weeks, over an extended period of time. So maybe we can apply that and think a little bit more about our relationships. If something is bothering us with our partner, we should communicate that to them. There, there are a number of ways which we can do that. We're going to talk about this more in later episodes, but one of them, for example, is try to say I a lot more than you say you and just describe the situation like as if a third party is seeing it. So for example, let's say that your partner is leaving the counters in the kitchen dirty. I lived with roommates before who left the counters dirty and uh, I know how frustrating it can be. So, I mean, we can go to our partner and we, and we can start with you, So John Gottman, he has this book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. He would call this a harsh startup if you told your partner something like, you're so lazy, you always leave things out. So it's a harsh startup because it's accusing your partner of something. Now, instead of being totally open to hearing what you have to say, they're going to get offended and they're going to just try, respond to your accusation and defend themselves more than 
actually like trying to deal with the situation. They're primarily concerned with protecting themselves instead of listening to you. So, you know, instead you can say things like, I notice crumbs on the counter uh, this afternoon and I cleaned them up. And then your partner could say something like, oh, thank you so much, you know, for cleaning them. I'm sorry I left them out. I was busy. I was stressed. Something. Then you can say things like, I really appreciate it when the counters are clean. I feel a lot for our home. Having a clean home is is very important to me, and that's how I grew up. When I grew up, our home was always clean. It's what I'm used to, and it makes me feel safe. Like, I, I just don't feel good when the house is, is dirty. Now, what you're doing here is you're, you're communicating your needs with your partner, but you didn't say you once in the entire time. Like, it's super hard to get offended from that because you just, you just communicated how, how, you know, what you felt, that that's okay, right? So then, then your partner's going to go, wow, I see that it's important to you. Like, you know, let's, let's work to make a plan to make it better. Or like, I'm going to make an effort to keep things more organized and you can make an effort to do that too, kind of thing. Now, why, what, how does this relate to the first thing that feelings don't have IQ? So let's say that you're like really angry at your partner and you're really irritated and you just want to tell them something like, you're so lazy, you know, you don't, you don't work enough around here. You don't respect me. Now, you're probably going to regret saying that later. Do you know when in anger, when you say things and you just, you don't mean them and you, you kind of regret that you said them after? So that's like a prime example of feelings don't have IQ because when you think about it, it's like your feelings really didn't help you there and, and you didn't even mean what you said. Like there is no IQ in, in what you communicated. So the, the thing to do would be to wait, to wait a little bit, which I mean, it's very common. We all know like when you're angry, wait wait before you say something. That's always what they teach us in, in, in university with professors. Like if, if the professor sends you, you know, a, a, you get a really bad grade, you have to wait 24 hours before you respond to them because your feelings may not correspond um, to, to like what you actually want to say and it can end up exploding in, in your face and, and causing a lot more trouble than it's going to solve. Now, it's so important to listen to your feelings. So how do we know when we have to really consider our feelings, then what should we do about it? So I'm going to say here, the important thing is to acknowledge your feelings. You should always acknowledge what you're feeling, but you don't necessarily have to act on them. Unless it's like persistent and you really think that it's in your best interest to act on it after waiting a little bit, unless it's like an emergency. If it's like an extreme case and there's an emergency and you really feel like, you know, you need to get out of somewhere, you know, get out of there, act on it. But if you're not sure if you should act on it, just wait a little bit. And if you continue to feel over two weeks, you know, then it's like it's very important and, and you you should really act on it if, if you're not sure. But usually within two weeks, like once the initial rush calms down a little bit, even after the first like 15 minutes, you'll know if it's a feeling that is good for you or if it's just like a glitch. So that's a big thing that Sue Johnson says and 10 stupid things couples do to mess up their relationship is that feelings glitch. Like, like, and, and the other thing is that feelings, it's so hard to tell what's causing the feeling. So we kind of hinted at this earlier. 
like you you feel like you're mad at your partner but you're just hungry like you feel like your needs aren't being met in the relationship but you're just not meeting your sleeping needs and then you kind of feel like your needs aren't being met and it's easy to blame your partner but but really it's just that you didn't sleep well last night so, so you have to think about that you really have to think about that and, you know, like, the bigger the effect that acting on this feeling can have on your relationship, the more you have to wait. So if if you really, you know, you feel like you want to break up with your partner, that's humongous, you know, maybe you can't undo that ever, then you have to wait, um, you know, like, minimum two weeks to, to unless it's like, it's like an emergency or like your, your safety is at risk to decide if you want to act on that and, and, after a little bit, a lot of people change their minds. Now, okay, how do we acknowledge our feelings? So there's this technique, um, it's called the RAIN technique, which is originally from Buddhism, but we learned about it through this book, 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Now, what, what, what Harris does in his book is, okay, the RAIN technique. So recognize, affirm, investigate, non-identify okay so what is that so first we're going to recognize that we're feeling something a lot of people as simple as it sounds don't get to the step they numb they try to numb their feelings they go on their phones they scroll scroll through instagram they watch a youtube video they're they're trying to do everything except actually acknowledge that they're feeling something and you know that that's really scary because we at the show, believe that you can only love yourself as much as you know yourself, and you can, and, and that love is knowing. The more you know someone, the more you can love them. So, a really big part of knowing yourself is knowing what you feel. You know how it feels to feel different things. We're gonna explore this a lot more in, in future shows, and have a series of episodes for our YouTube channel, which is in development right now, and our blog on this topic. Okay, so recognize, recognize, tell yourself, I am feeling, what are you feeling? Anger. Okay. Acknowledge, acknowledge that you're feeling it. Okay. First you recognize that there's a feeling, then you acknowledge, okay, like, I, I feel this. I understand that I'm feeling this right now. You're letting the feeling in. Then you're going to investigate. What could be causing this feeling? What does it mean? What is it trying to tell me? So there, there's a way we can investigate feelings. It's called interfamily systems therapy. And it was introduced to us by Bessel van der Kolk in The Body Keeps the Score. So what is this idea? So, okay, the idea of interfamily systems therapy is that your mind has a whole bunch of different parts. Um, so they go on to describe it like you have firefighters, which are trying to protect yourself in the case of an emergency. And, and what they'll do is they'll do anything to put out the fire. They might even destroy the house. Um, we're going to talk about this more in future episodes on trauma. I don't want to get too much into this theory now, but the, I just want to point out the main idea of this theory is that you have many different parts. Now, if you ignore a part of you it's going to show up in other ways, like in your body, in the way you numb, in the way you choose to cope, in your eating habits, sleeping habits, something else. But, but a lot of like feelings that we feel, 
they're actually just parts of our body that are, are trying to get our attention that maybe we put aside before. It could be things like soft spots. But Sue Johnson, she talks a lot about soft spots and in her really good book, Hold Me Tight. Soft spots, like things that we're very sensitive about that are really important to us, but other people may not understand why they're so important to us. Like it brings us zero to a hundred really fast. It could relate to insecurities, like things in our childhood or other times in our life that still bother us today, like maybe feeling like we're never good enough. And then if our partner tells us something like you're lazy and they they felt a long time that they were never good enough, that could be a soft spot for them. It's going to trigger them and, and they're going to be, they make it very, very hurt. But also like if we're angry at our partner, maybe there's a soft spot for us. Like maybe we felt growing up that we weren't good enough and we see our relationship as kind of like a validation tool to make us feel that we're enough. So if our partner ever gives us the slightest feeling that maybe we're not good enough, then we like can get very angry at them because it's it's like affecting our like our, our self-esteem. Maybe we carry shame, like a lot of shame and it kind of it triggers us that way. It's a soft spot. Okay, so so let's bring this back to interfamily systems therapy. So it's it's the idea that there's there's part of us that we're hiding, we're not acknowledging. Like maybe we feel shame, but we're scared to acknowledge that we feel shame. So it's going to come back in anger in this interaction. This is what we're doing when we're investigating. We're really thinking like, what is this? What does it mean? Okay, then we're going to non-identify. That's the N. Non-identify. Non-identify. When I first heard this, it, it really interested me. I, I didn't really understand it, but... um. Non-identify is basically, but, but you see your feeling as if it's like clouds passing over you. So you recognize like, I feel this now, but this isn't who I am. This is just part of me, but it's not who I am. Like, let's say you feel very angry. You say, I feel angry, but I'm not an angry person. I feel angry in this moment, but I'm not always angry. This anger, it's going to pass. And that's a really, really comforting way to acknowledge the different parts and what they're trying to tell you and, and to calm down. So, so far, we talked about feelings don't have IQ, but we also, we kind of like made a, a confliction because we showed us that feelings may be representative of something. So the difference here that it's very important to differentiate is the feeling may be pushing you towards an action that isn't actually going to help the feeling. So you can't just act on the feeling. You have to think about the feeling first and what what it's like, what you can actually do to take care of it. And this it is usually self-care. So like you feel angry at your partner. You feel like your partner is bad, okay? But this is not an IQ feeling because actually there are many instances when they've been very good to you and gone above and beyond. Or maybe there are many, you know, maybe you're just upset in the moment, but you know, you're going to regret anything you say right now later. But you have to think like, why are you angry? The f so it's kind of like a toddler. So if you just act on it, you're acting on the screaming. You're essentially like screaming like a toddler. Whereas what the adult would do is they would acknowledge the feeling. Okay. 
Remember the rain technique? Okay. Then think about what it's actually trying to tell them. So on their own, feelings don't have IQ. They're like crying toddlers. But if we really, you know, use our brains to think more about what the feeling is telling us, it's like an adult approaching a toddler, like I'm, I'm a, a parent, and knowing what the p- toddler is actually trying to tell them. So you, you wouldn't think of a toddler on their own having high IQ, but it's the ability to understand what they mean behind, behind the initial push that, that matters. So that's what I really hope that you'll do. I, I want you to think about your feelings as important things to indicate something. Now, a lot of it, so we're, we're going to summarize now. So feelings, they're really important to indicate things, but often it's hard to know what they indicate unless you really think about it. You calm down. Now, they're going to often push you to actions that aren't in your best interest, which is why they, they don't have IQ. Remember the, this, the crying toddler analogy that we talked about? And they're often actually related to things that have nothing to do with your current situation. Things like, like it's not about your partner. It's about that you're tired or that you're hungry. So always remember that. that you know, we, we know that partners take out things that happen at work, on each other, or other things, it, it's very common to understand that feelings originate somewhere else. Okay, step, so think about that first. Feelings originate somewhere else. Next, when you have the feeling, investigate it. Feel like a detective. Think about what it's trying to tell you. Okay? And then wait. Wait before you act. If you act right away, it's like acting like a toddler instead of understanding what, what the message behind it is, what the appropriate thing to do. Now, there, there's one other last, last thing I want to mention before we completely conclude on this topic, and it's the concept of rescue, which was first introduced to me by Shauna Nequist in the book Present Over Perfect. Now, this is a really interesting book. It, it talks about her, the author's experience, going through kind of like a midlife crisis when she understands that she uses work and a lot of things as numbing agents to overcome, to, to distract her from feeling like she's not a good enough parent and a good enough friend. And um, the more that she distracts herself, the more shame she feels about not being a there for her family like she wants to, which leads her to distract herself even more through taking on more work, which means being, it's like a cycle The the worse that she feels about not being available for her family, the more work she takes on to distract herself from this feeling, which makes her even less available. And, and then the cycle continues until she realizes that she's in this cycle. And then she makes an effort to guard her time to do what she really wants to more, which is to be present with, with her family. That's why she calls it present over perfect. Um, but we'll get into it more but in another episode. But the, the thing I want to share here is the concept of rescue. So what is rescue? So I want you to think like somebody's drowning in the water and you're on a dock or, or like a, you're, you're on the side of the pool, but whatever you can relate to more. And um, you need to rescue them first before you try to ask them why, why they were out there in the first place. So let's say, for example... It's nighttime, you're by a lake, um, there's a, somebody you see drowning, 
um, the first thing you have to do is rescue them. So you go out in the water, you pick them out of the water, you bring them to the shore, you give them, you know, things to warm them, you, you help them, you take care of the, any of their medical needs. And then you say, why did you go out alone at night? You know, this was so dangerous. You shouldn't have done this. There was no lifeguard on duty. Rescue first. What is the drowning? The drowning, she says, is when somebody is very angry. So that anger, you need to rescue someone first when they're angry because they're drowning in their emotions. They're not acting rationally. They're not acting reasonably. And um, they're, they're not really in control in the moment. That's, there's, there's actually a term for this. It's called emotional hijacking. And it's part of, it's a very important concept in the book Emotional Intelligence by Dana Goleman. Um, so the big thing is first rescue. So if you see somebody's angry, if you see your partner's angry, the first thing you want to do is you want to try to rescue them. Now, what are the best ways to rescue? Well, um, Sue Johnson at Hold Me Tight and Bessel van der Kogel in The Body Keeps the Score say that the most natural ways for the body to calm down is through holding uh, and rocking. So if, if your partner is very, like if you are angry or your partner is angry, you need to first invite each other to help like facilitate that rescue which is very hard like if you're angry at your partner and your partner is like even more you know and you also see your partner's emotions are getting up you need you need to initiate that rescue first so you can say something like okay time out um this is really important to me and i i want us to continue discussing this but first we need to calm down let me like can you hold me can you help me calm down or do you give me permission to hold you right now so I can help each other relax and then we'll keep talking about it. So, so something like this. Okay. So now let's summarize everything we talked about so far. So we started this episode talking a little bit about the podcast, um, what it is and you know, what, how it started. Um, and in future episodes, we're going to talk a little bit more about why our relationships important. Um, the benefits so like John Gottman, for example, cites research and the seven principles for making marriage work that relationships can actually increase your life expectancy by four years, healthy relationships. So, wow, we're going to get a little bit more into that. We're going to look at a Harvard study. Um, also, that looks into relationships being your best investment um, by following people over the course of their life and what that is, what their findings were, how they did the study. Um, I hope that in this episode, you got a little sneak peek into like a first lesson on what we were learning making this podcast, like the first major insight that we had, feelings don't have IQ, um, and then how we described that a little bit more. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about in future episodes, the concept of a consciousness car. We're going to use a whole bunch of analogies to talk about how to love somebody like the we're going to talk about gary chapman's the five love languages we're going to talk about um, lots of different analogies and um, we're also going to talk about how to give away our hearts um, in, in the smartest way to make us the least likely to get hurt so thank you so much for listening i'm super excited to see you in future episodes and i hope that you learned something valuable by listening 
send us your comments at contact at learnlove.ca and if there's a specific topic that you want to see um we'd love to hear from you so thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next podcast